What is up, all of you beautiful people? My name is Robert Donaldson, and I'm alongside Thad Nelson, because I would never do this show without him. I probably probably need to get in the routine of it. We missed three straight wins, y'all. <laughs> we, we got a lot of ground to catch up on here. Yeah, so um, if you guys were wondering, no, uh, we weren't not just like promoting our uh, the podcast on Twitter and social media or whatnot. No, there, there hasn't been a podcast the past few weeks here, so that's why you haven't been able to hear it. That said, we've got some fun things to talk about. I mean, Iowa is coming off a win against Wisconsin for the only the third time in, what, 11 years, I want to say. Um, they also have a win against Purdue in the bag there. They have a win against uh, – Blanken uh, Northwestern because that's a forgettable one. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I was starting to, uh, in, in all three of those games, they scored at least 24 points or more. Um, so, I mean, we'll talk about that, um, I'm sure. And uh, that, what, what are your thoughts? What have your thoughts been over just the, these past three games and seeing points and touchdowns being scored? <laughs> well, Having wins is definitely a not a lot nicer. I was talking with some family members about that and just like how much nicer it is to spend the rest of your weekend after a win, even if it's ugly and, you know, to win and they're not one score games either. Like they're pretty comfortable wins. You know, you, you have some some moments where you're like, OK, make sure you get a stop here. It'd be really nice to put another score here late. Uh, but really, they're comfortable wins uh, where you weren't sweating it out. You weren't throwing things because of you know complete ineptitude on offense although sometimes in the second half of those games when when I was ahead it, it feels like it but at least um at least they had points and it was a comfortable enough lead that you you trust this defense with a two score lead to, to shut them down yeah and you know it's it's crazy because you watch this team play on special teams offense defense two of those units are among the most elite in college football. And um, we're seeing it in, in, in droves right now, the past few weeks especially. Um, we already knew the defense was incredible. We already knew Tory Taylor was incredible. Now, you know, the opposite side of special teams, um, you know, Nick Stevens obviously, but um, the return game um, is coming alive all of a sudden. And it adds just a whole nother dynamic to – Oh, uh, what people already respect expect from Iowa, which is a great special teams, great defense, um, and I mean, we we got to talk about them, right? Um, it's just one of those things where you're we're watching one of the best players in college football on Iowa's defense. Um, <laughs> you already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> He's impacting the punt return game. He's impacting defense. He's he's bringing it to the house. He's almost bringing the house on almost every single play. He touches the ball. Um, gosh, man, I what are your thoughts on just what we've seen from a generational um, Iowa player that we're going to remember for a long time? <laughs> well, what's crazy is, I mean, this is like position number three, basically. You know, you start the year, it's uh, at cash. And you, you, it's amazing this defense, um, when we think about where we were at the start, like we, we both agreed, we thought it was going to be a really good defense and we were highlighting some of the reasons, you know, early in the season and all of a sudden, uh, there's a suspension to Harris 
a play-in starting corner opposite of Riley Moss. And then beyond that, there's injury that occurs. So he misses the whole season. Terry Roberts steps in and is awesome game one. And, and Cooper DeGene is awesome in his cash roll uh, game one, mixing in there with Justin Jacobs. And then there's injuries to both Jacobs and Terry Roberts. And they're like, well, we'll just put you out at corner now um, instead of swapping in some safety, some cash. And now he's doing an unbelievable job there as well. And it's really provided Iowa with, you know, two really good corners. But the thing I've noticed is you have two physical corners with Moss and DeGene now. So you see them, and I don't mean that like one, they're really good tacklers in the run game. But Iowa, Phil Parker's getting them up on the line of scrimmage, especially Cooper DeGene. And he's in press coverage a lot and being really physical. And it's really changed how this Iowa defense looks to past Phil Parker defenses because you have more um, man principles to start on the edges. And what Cooper DeGene has done, you know, on defense, just being so versatile and making huge plays nonstop has been just amazing to watch. Yeah, it's like Cooper is one of those guys that you just look at his body, um, like his frame and how he moves and, and the plays that he makes that are not just kind of, they're abnormal plays. You think of Rutgers that the catch over the, uh, over the top, or he's having to track a deep ball or this past week where he's undercover cutting a pass, making a hands catch down to his hips and then run into the house or even just a punt return. He's one of those dudes who you easily are just like that. That's a guy who you can put anywhere and he'd be successful. Um, I think of like Micah Parsons when I think of like that. I think of um, Miles Jack when he played at LSU or, or UCLA. Um, I think of Tyron Matthew. I think we're not just watching one of the the better Iowa players of um, you know the past decade. We're looking at one of the best players right now in all of the country, um, a potential future first round pick in my opinion. Um, free, he's a, a freak athlete. I think that's what's going to be incredible. You know, there's this whole, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, it's it's one of those things that's like people shy away from talking about, but we got to talk about it when it, as it pertains to the NFL and the lack of a white corner. <laughs> there's been literally in the past, since 2004, I think there's only been one white corner who has ever started for an NFL team for more than one game in a season. Uh, Jason Seahorn. <laughs> Cooper DeGene is the next one. I don't think there's a lot of people gunning for that that spot. And it it just speaks volumes about what this kid's doing. <laughs> it's ama- Iowa has two really high-level corners. Um and it's it's different I just I can't remember the time that the Iowa's been able to really use guys like that on the outside and take away so much. And granted like the last few games, well, Wisconsin, it's not a very good passing attack. But they've made big plays. Um, they've made some big plays in the passing game. It's not a consistent one, but they've made big plays. Uh, Purdue has made a, a ton of big plays. And what those guys did, you know, in these games, and even the job they did against Ohio State, you know, for much of that game was spectacular as well. And the defense has been so good, and a lot of it has been – because of the coverage they're able to do, but also um, I got to credit Schulte and Merriweather on the backside. And, 
And Castro, like I've said, he's kind of the weak link of the group in the back end. But that's not because he's been bad. Like his coverage, especially for a cash player, has been good. Uh, But when you look at what they've been able to do, how they've been able to cover on the backside, I've just been so impressed by that group in the secondary. Yeah, and the depth is insane, right? I mean, we already talked about it, how Terry Roberts hasn't been playing um, or has been in and out of the lineup for all all year long. Um, Justin Jacobs, you immediately lose one of the, the, the key pieces of your line. And, and what happens? You see Seth Benson take a massive jump, um, not only as just kind of a pure linebacker, but in coverage too. Um, Campbell, I, I think when you have that kind of length and that kind of athleticism over time, you're just going to continue to get better against, you know, whatever they throw at you down the middle um, to the outside, especially. I mean, we saw it this past week. There was tackles he's making in open space where it's not even a great angle, but he's just such like a python when he tackles you that – he just like sucks you in when he um, lays his hands on you. And then you just mentioned it, Sebastian Castro, you know, there's, there's times where you watch him and he's not maybe the most laterally quick and he might get beat or might miss, um, you know, a jab step at the line of scrimmage when he's playing press that's happened on occasion, but he's a confident guy. You know, he's taking direct angles. Um, he's tipping passes in the air, getting his hands on balls, not afraid to just kind of go for it. Um, because he knows on the back end, he's got some guys that are going to be in position. You know, they're not going to be messing up. They're going to be in the right spot when they need to be. Um, we saw it on that Riley Moss interception. That That's just like classic, what, like Tyler Sash, Micah Hyde kind of stuff, where it's just a tip drill. That's exactly how you're, you're taught how to do it. But, it you know, it never really comes to fruition. It's just kind of like an off chance. That's one of those that just looks so seamless um, and we've been talking about it for the past three years. Um, these aren't fluke interceptions. You know, Iowa defenders have good hands. They're taught to have good hands. That's a quality they look for when they're coming out of high school. And um, it pays dividends when you can force turnovers like that. Yeah, I mean, you've said it over and over again. Like, we'll watch a game and, well, Iowa defensive backs, they wouldn't have dropped that one. And we've seen it, and we've seen it extend to linebackers. Uh, Campbell has had a, a great interception against Ohio State. Seth Benson with a really good interception. Um, we've seen the safeties get their hands on the ball. They do such a good job with their eye discipline of keeping their eyes in the backfield and being able to see what's going on. And then they go react. They they're really good on their keys. They're spaced well. And they make you hit windows that that are smaller because the depth, especially the way you mentioned Jack Campbell earlier, the way he can some get depth in the middle of the field and kind of squeeze the angle of those throws. Uh, we saw two two in the Purdue game that there were interceptions. It's like, well, it looks like the guy's open. And then they show the end zone cam, and you see that he's having to try to fit it over the linebacker. And then under so that's why it sails high and the safety is able to be there and make a play on it. And the way they've they've fit together, um, and then the jumps that guys on the defensive line have made um, has just been really, really impressive. The steps over the last two years for somebody like Noah Shannon um, and what we're continuing to see development of Lucas Van Ness. Um, Deontay Craig is turned in. He's turned in from like that like third down pass rusher to just a really, really good defensive end. Um, he's really, he's, you know, 
really, really good. I, I don't know what else to say about like in his pass rush, but just he can play every down now. Um, and the way they're able to mix and match those guys right now, uh, th- this defense is just so fun to watch. As infuriating as the offense is, uh, this defense is equally enjoyable. Yeah, you know, Deontay Craig coming in the year, um, we all had breakout players on the defense. Um, he was mine. I think yours. I think yours was Lucas Van Ness. So I think we pretty much nailed uh, both of those. And uh, I was about to say Deontay Craig. This guy's starting to make a lot of plays. Um, not only as a pass rusher and an edge bender, who you know at in college when you're going up against right tackles and and um, or even sometimes guards that don't have like the best pass or pass protection footwork. Being at that height. You know, the Dante, um, Dante Craig has where he has a low center of gravity. He's like a bowling ball frame. So it's not like he's just really lightning quick. Um, that is almost an impossible matchup until you can actually get good, good technique matched up on him. And he's just he's making plays. You know, they, they labeled him as one and a half sacks this past week. And I'm, I hate the half sack. I mean, he obliterated the right tackle. He's the first one to make contact on the sack and they call it a half. Um, <laughs> I won't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> There's a lot of issues with, uh, the way college football is stat kept. Um, for example, one of the funniest stat lines that you only will ever see in college, Spencer Petrus, eight rushes, negative 41 yards rushing and a touchdown. Why are sacks on a passing play counted as negative rushing yards? Blows my mind. <laughs> it makes no sense um, how they can't figure out a way to either do what the NFL does, put it with the passing statistics or um, some way of like having the official scorekeeper stat tracker, um, having them be able to deem, is this a run attempt? Is it a scramble attempt? Like you can tell, and we all know with Petrus's, those aren't designed runs. Uh, like, <laughs> That job's really easy to figure out. Yeah, it's that's it's just wild. But back to your uh, Craig comments, I, it's, he's just he's turned into such a such a versatile player. Um, they're moving him inside and out and twisting him. He's getting his hands on offensive tackles and just throwing them to a side or long arming them and just chopping their hands. It, his his repertoire of moves and his just ability to impact plays at the line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage has been so fun to watch that development from a situational player to a player who can make every situation his own. It's just been so incredible. Yeah. And you know, we can, we can shine light on the defense all day. And I want to talk about Jack Campbell a little bit more because Listen, we know he's been great the past two years. We know he's a great player. We know he's going to be a future star in the NFL. But there's something about the way he's playing right now that's just different than any Iowa linebacker in you know, the past decade. And it's not just his size. It's not just his ability to make tackles in open field. You know, Josie Jewell could do that. Um, um, you know, there's a lot of players that have come through Iowa's linebacking core over the years that can make those kinds of plays. But he he takes angles that feel impossible, right? Like tech, um, technically speaking, you probably, that's a, that's an aggressive angle yet. It just looks so easy when he, he's wrapping him up at the very end of it. 
you know, there's times where Josie, Josie Jewell, for example, great angle taker, could make plays down the field, but he would give up an extra two or three yards maybe in the process by taking not a conservative angle, but a direct line angle based on his athleticism and just knowing his limitations. When Jack Campbell is taking an angle on somebody, it feels like he eliminates two yards when he gets there. You know, it's we're watching one of the, one of the most special players on Iowa's linebacking core. We're one of, watching one of the most special DBs to come through Iowa in a while. Um, we're looking at a defensive line that's just exciting. And uh, this defense is just showing out, and you can't really say enough about them on a, an hour-long podcast. You can't even do it on a two-hour-long podcast. You could break down every single play and shine light on all of them. <laughs> Yeah, to to kind of finish off here, Campbell, it's like watching one of those uh, National Geographics and you see the tiger just like stalking <laughs> and it's just like bang, bang, jump, engulf. And that's what he just does over and over. And it's just like a relentless physicality too, to him um, playing these teams and just the way he's able to cover ground, the way he just swallows people um on the sidelines, you know, teams trying to make those quick passes, try to get numbers on the perimeter. And that's the biggest thing this Iowa defense has done in the last, what, four years is the way they defend the perimeter game. Um, you remember back when, like, Wisconsin and Minnesota would just kill them with jet sweeps and teams would kill them on that quick outside pass. And it doesn't happen anymore. Um, people like Campbell, people like Benson, people like Merriweather, Castro, those guys are just eating these plays up at a level that this defense hasn't done in the past. It's It, it was the way to, to counteract what Iowa does to defend the run in the box. You get outside the box. And now that's not really a very good option for these teams. And Jack Campbell's such a big reason for that, the way he can cover ground and the way he just engulfs them. They're not getting those extra yards, those fall forward yards uh, when it comes to those tackles on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I truly think we're looking at one of the the best defenses of Kirk Ferentz era, if not the best, um, truly. Uh, I think down the road, we talked about this in the offseason too, or even uh, maybe after week one, but you look at this depth chart, the two deeps right now, the guys who aren't even playing, um, you might have 11 NFL players on the defense at some point in time. Like You look at this team in 10 years from now, you say, oh, that guy made the NFL. Oh, yeah, that guy, that guy did too. Oh, oh. Wait, there, there's two first-rounders. Oh, three first-rounders. Okay. <laughs> it, it's just one of those crazy things that it sucks that, um, you know, the – I don't want – this is supposed to be a positive podcast. We just won three uh, games in a row. But it sucks that if there was a competent offense on the other side, like a very competent offense, this team could easily be – I won't say I wouldn't say undefeated. I think Ohio State probably still edges them out. Um, but uh, – this team might have only one loss, and at the very least, they would only have two losses on the year. Uh, I think that we can agree on. Um, that said, there are, there is some positive to kind of shine light on when you're talking about the offense the past few weeks. Um, I still think there's some glaring holes that I I don't know if I don't I have doubts that I think they'll get fixed um, by the end of the year, uh, mainly at tackle. <laughs> um, it's just it, there's nothing really you can do. You know, you, we know the personnel that, that's going to have to be out there, um, and it doesn't look like the tackle personnel is really there um, to be um, leading a, a good charge, especially in the passing game. Um, what are your thoughts? Of, what have your thoughts been just the past few weeks on just the offense in general? Well, the positives, in my opinion, have been 
um, kind of twofold. The first one is the increased role for Caleb Johnson, um, having him be the feature guy. And, you know, part of that's been necessity. Uh, Gavin Williams has been having a lingering ankle injury. Um, Sean Williams has dealt with a foot injury now and he's been limited. So you are, um, they have been limited in terms of personnel, but, but he's shown he's the most talented. He's the guy that has the breakaway speed. Um, he's shown that oh, since the first, you know, that first game, he, he looked like a freshman just trying not to fumble. You know, he'd basically just run up the lines back and f- fall. Uh, he just wasn't going to fumble. And now he's reading blocks. Um, he's so good about using his, changing his height, his shoulder height, and kind of getting a little lean and until, you know, he gets a little skinny and brushes off some of those tackles and, and gets his arms down so the guys can't get his leg. They hit his arm first um, to maintain balance. And the big thing in there is he's been able to break a few big runs, which this offense needs. They they can't just go four yards, six yards, four yards, eight yards, 12 you know, they, they need some big runs because the offensive line has major issues. Um, so I think that is the big key that the positive. The other is they're doing some things that I like in terms of what they're trying to get accomplished. Uh, we see a little more shotgun run. We see some versatility in how they're lining up different personnel. Uh, they're trying to be um, mixing up. They're trying to be versatile with where Lachey is, where Laporta is. Uh, they've got, you know, we, we've mentioned it uh, in the past, but they've got Potabom out of the backfield a lot and being more that H-back third tight end um, and letting letting their personnel when they're in the huddle, you know, a defense might think it's going to be one, okay, I formation, two tights, and now they come out single back, um, you know, two tight ends on the line, but Laporte, or, uh, Laporte is split out and Potabom's, you know, in line or in kind of offset. So they're doing some things. They're trying to do some things in the rush game, um, moving guys around a little bit of a lot more split zone, wham actions, things like that. They're trying to do some things to counteract the offensive line issues. Um, And there's positives there. You know, we've seen Deontay Vines step up and provide a little bit of depth at receiver, make some plays. And, I mentioned this in our Slack. His blocking downfield has been huge. He's by far the best blocking receiver they have in this group. So he's helped in that end. Um, but there's still the issues at the offensive line, which really limit what they can do. Yeah, I think ultimately that's kind of what keeps the offense down a little bit. Um, what I will say, um, and kind of like what you alluded to, um, just adjustments um, on kind of play calling on downs that you've seen earlier um in the game you know this past weekend against wisconsin there was a third and ten um and wisconsin just overloaded the shit out of a blitz you know and it was from the right side and obviously spencer gets killed and he doesn't even have time to get a ball out um and under literally a second they were on top of him um the next drive third and ten what do they do? They overload the right side with Sam Laporta in line. They fake him out. I'm like, it's going to be a bubble screen, and he's going to be out there in space, lead blocking. And then he slips back inside. They pull the out the interior offensive line, get upfield. And you know what was great about that? Not only that it's a great 
third down and 10 call when you think that a blitz is going to be coming. It wasn't even really coming there. But ultimately, you know, what's really great about that sort of call is that, you know, one, it's an easy throw. Two, it's a quick throw. Three, it's it's a unique wrinkle that you can easily do at any time because, you know, you line up tight ends in line all, all game long. You can run that play three times a game and it would work. Um, it also goes back to what we've been talking about all pretty much the past two years with Brian. You need to be able to push the rules. You know, there, there was definitely ineligible receivers down the field in that play. But guess what? Make the refs fucking call it. On third and ten, you're not going to pick it up anyway. Come on, let's get real. This passing game is not good. So just push the envelope a little bit. Run some rub routes that are basically picks. Maybe just annihilate the corner and just see if it gets called. Maybe just shoulder shrug him when you're going by. Push the limits of what's allowed by rule and force the refs to make a call. And if they don't, guess what? You pick up a first down on third and ten when the probability of you doing it any other way is probably 7%. So I, I really enjoyed that kind of play call. I still think that on third downs, red zone calls, for the most part, there are still just like a lot of uh, things I hate. You know, there's a lot of generic stuff. It's not a lot of creativity, but it, it's nice to see those wrinkles being implemented because one drive is really all it takes um, in, in key spots to change the outcome of an Iowa game when you have the defense playing the way it is. Another play I'll go to is um, I think I think it was maybe after I'd have to go back. I feel like it was after the the long punt return. And Iowa had the ball at like the 17. Uh, and what's what's Brian's tendency when he gets good field position? He goes for a big play pretty early. Like it's very NFL-esque. Okay, we, we got a, a turnover. We got a, a quick change or something like that. We got good field position. That's when he likes to go for his shot plays, his trick plays. Uh, Wisconsin knows this. Iowa's got good field position. So Wisconsin's like, okay, they're probably going to take a shot at something here. They send pressure. And Laporta is left side. Uh, Petrus reads the blitz. Laporta reads the blitz. He goes two yards, three yards, just quick turn, hot route. Petrus hits him, you know, and all of a sudden they're down, you know, inside the 10-yard line. So it's things like that even. um, And having that little wrinkle, okay, self-scouting. We like to go for a play here. We need to have something prepared for the the pressures. And with Wisconsin, it's not even like, six seven man pressures a lot of times it's four but bringing them from spots that you know they're isolating they're so good at isolating their best pass rusher on the worst offensive line spot Um, they do such a good job of that the way they slant the way they manipulate the line of scrimmage which is really fun to watch uh if you're not going against it but just to have that wrinkle there and like Okay, and then have Laporta and Petrus be on the same page and be like, okay, we, we think they might blitz. We have a hot scheduled here. They got it to Laporta. He makes the right play. It puts him in position to score a touchdown. And then, you know, what's such a key in this place, this game, uh, when Iowa got inside the 20-yard line, they were getting six and not th- or seven and not three. And that's so important for an offense that struggles to get there very often. Yeah, you, you can say, when you look at the Wisconsin game, you know, Iowa didn't really score, have like a lot of elongated drives, right? It was more so like capitalizing on a good punt return, um, on turnovers, 
um, you know, obviously that block punt, you know, those sorts of things. That said, when they got down there, at least they were trying new things. Um, there was a couple times they lined up in like a, a trio, uh, a trip set to the right, um, ran some nice creative like movement out of that um, out of that spot where it's not just you know a spacing call or a high low read. Um, it, you know, it's it just try new things. I, obviously, this offense isn't going to be a world beater, um, but as the season goes on and as we've seen the last three games, there is at least, you know, some kind of improvement there uh, from a play calling perspective. And you look going forward, um, it's a game, a couple games where where they're going to just need to be effective on the couple plays that they need to be effective on. Um, and those, you know, five to six really big plays, whether they're third down, whether they're red zone plays, are going to be the big thing with this team. Uh, you know, we're, we're fo- we focused on the offense the last three games. It's been a great ride so far the past, you know, few weeks here. But we would like to win some more games before the season's over. Um, last two games of the regular season, which is very – it's actually honestly sad to say that. Um, I'm not ready for co- to give up college football yet. Um, but Minnesota, Nebraska, Minnesota this weekend um, in Minnesota. So – interesting kind of game because uh you know who knows who's starting at quarterback for the gophers uh, but i will say according to my my detailed research on twitter um <laughs> which is literally just me searching tanner morgan and then start some filtering it by latest <laughs> i do see from this account um it is a a d darren wolfson he, he's verified well not that that kind of, you know, <laughs> matters anymore on Twitter. Uh, this could be a total fraud. Um, but he is saying that Tanner Morgan has likely started his last game in Minnesota, and the focus is on Ethan Kaliak Manis. I, I think I've watched a few couple games of Kaliak Manis, um, and I, I think that's the pronunciation, unless these commentators are butchering it like they were Reganey. Um, all these years, I, I've lost trust um, <laughs> in these commentating moves, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, interesting game. I, it's always kind of interesting with the Gophers under the PJ Fleck um, hood of the umbrella the past few years. Um, he's obviously turned that, that program around um, from where it was. Um, they're definitely a more reputable team at this point. Um, I think even better than when Jerry Kill was was at his height. Um, that said, you know, Tanner Morgan is, I've given my thoughts on Tanner Morgan over the years and I, they haven't really changed. I don't, I'm not crazy about him. Like he's one of those guys that puts up the numbers and he's good enough, but the hype of, you know, Minnesota fans thinking that he was a Heisman contender, was ridiculous. And the thinking that he was the best quarterback in the big 10 was ridiculous and still is. Um, but it, it doesn't really matter. You know, they still have Mohammed Ibrahim who I, I, I am actually high on I think he's a quality player um and now they have uh redshirt freshman Ethan Kaliak Manis um who has had interesting film I think there's something there I just don't think it's there yet we kind of experienced this a, a couple times this season um when you're looking at Deckers from Iowa State and and McCarthy from Michigan it, it similar kind of things where you have a guy who has the look of a good quarterback and has the tools to potentially be a good quarterback in the down the, in the future. But 
right now it's kind of up in the air, especially when you're uh, playing against Iowa's defense the way they're playing right now. Probably not going to look the best. Um, What are your thoughts on on just kind of in general this matchup against Minnesota? It starts for them. um, Ibrahim, as you mentioned, uh, he's he's one of the few people, um, as I'm watching games when I'm not watching Iowa, they're like, He's so easy to root for. I mean, he plays so hard. Uh, he's really good. The way, he, you know, he's came back from injury. And and that, like, he's a really good player. He's fun to watch. They ride him into the ground. Um, he's coming off 40, or he's, sorry, he's coming off four straight 30-plus carry games. Um, they were in games early in the season when they were playing against some terrible teams. You know, they'd be up by 30 at half, and he'd be at 20 some carries and he'd come out the second half toting the rock again. Um, I don't know what they were doing with him at that point. Like, you know, it's an experienced player. There's so much tread on those tires. You know how physical he is. Why are you doing that? Um, you can say, well, I know, you know, he can take it. He's, he's ready for this. I thought they're a little reckless with him early in the season on extra carries. Uh, but you know, when I think about what that team's going to look like, especially without Tanner Morgan and you nailed it, like, He's a fine college quarterback. He knows the system. Um, he's limited in some some movement after some injuries. He's not as mobile as he was uh, early in his career. Not that he was a, a great runner, but he was a guy that could, you know, move the pocket and kind of change some things with their RPOs and stuff. They're much more limited in that. Obviously, Chris Autumn Bell is injured at receiver, so that limits them as well. Um, in a similar way that the Iowa's offense really has been limited with Keegan Johnson being gone. You take an already limited pass game and you eliminate uh, one guy who can just make something happen on his own and it's really going to hurt it. But they're just going to try to shorten this game. They know that that with a young quarterback, they can't rely on him to be the constant playmaker. Uh, so I think they're going to take Ibrahim and it's going to be another th- they're going to try to get 30-plus carries. I mean, they lost by almost 30 to Penn State, and he still had over 30-some carries. But it doesn't matter. They're just going to keep feeding him the ball. And they're going to try to do that to shorten the game. Um, you know, both teams probably, you know, want this low score. It's kind of strange. You feel like this is a game coming in where Iowa's actually like, you know, we might want to have more plays than usual this game. And I think Minnesota really wants to shorten this. Um, they've got a good defense rely on that defense, try to keep Iowa out of good field position and hope that Ibrahim can break a couple plays or that they can get, you know, a break in the Iowa defense in the secondary somewhere to get one big pass touchdown and hope that they can win, you know, 14 to 10. Absolutely agree. I think you nailed it. Um, Mohamed Ibrahim is one of those dudes, kind of like Justin Jackson, if you remember that, um, him from uh, Northwestern, where Northwestern ran that dude in the ground. And, you know, we have saw uh, the second he came into the NFL, Justin Jackson, I'm going to refer to him when he played for the Chargers, um, and he stepped into a spot start role when Eichler went down and um, some of their other backs went down. It just looked like he had so much more juice than uh, he ever did at Northwestern. And you know, you know why? Because he was getting fucking 400 carries a year at Northwestern. And then when you limit to him um, in a season, a full NFL season, where you're obviously playing, you know, five, six more games, and all of a sudden you're under your 300 carries under your normal total, 
you can be a little bit more explosive and, and quick and you look a lot more fresh. That's kind of what's happening to Muhammad Ibrahim every single year. You know, at the beginning of the year, he's putting up 200 rushing yard games. He has that explosiveness. He's, he's an easy guy to root for the way you said it because he's a downhill runner on top of being that kind of elusive, explosive guy. But as the season goes on, as the the wit of the you know the seasons grow colder, um, the, the some of that juice is lost, um, and it becomes more of just a downhill runner. And that plays, you know, every single year when Iowa plays up against Minnesota, it almost I won't say that he's a non-factor, but it feels like they kind of mitigate him. Like, listen, you know, you might be able to get that hundred yard kind of um, total. Um, you might be able to kind of, you know, churn out some yardage on some on some plays in particular, just up the middle, uh, on a, maybe a good blocking run or something like that. But ultimately, you're not going to kill us. Um, that's how I kind of see this game playing. You know, we just talked about Iowa's defense the entire last segment. Um, they're incredible this year, especially in the middle, especially on the back end. They're going to force, you know, Minnesota to run the ball 30 times. If that, you know, if I if Minnesota has a chance, they have to have success on the ground. But that plays directly in Iowa's strength so far. Um, you know, it's it's almost like a funnel where you know what's going to happen, and it's just going to take something weird to kind of break. Um, you know, um, to get Minnesota on the board with enough points to win this game. I think. I think this looks a lot like the Illinois game. You know, a similar situation. Uh, a team that's <laughs> probably lost two recently because they've run their running back into the ground. And while they're still feeding him a ton of carries and he's still getting some yards, it's not the same as it was the first six, seven weeks of the season. Um, they're having to supplement, you know, Illinois is having to supplement Brown more in the middle of the game and at different times. And those things, you know, then all of a sudden in that game, quarterback gets hurt. Now they're really reliant. The one thing I will say for Minnesota is Fleck will just continue to run the ball no matter what. And I will give him credit for that, that this team will just say, look, this is our chance. We're just, we're going to keep running it. And they've got reasonable backups. Like the backups come in and they're not the same level, but they can still, you know, when, when Ibrahim comes out, they'll still run the ball um, and they still won't change their identity. So I I just think this defense is going to see a whole, just constant run, 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 run. And like that Illinois game, you know, hope that you don't make mistakes and that your defense um, can hold up and that your offense doesn't turn the ball over and you can just force Iowa into long fields the whole time. I don't think this Minnesota defense is as good as Illinois. I think it's a it's okay defense. Um, there are times when they are like, oh yeah, I think they're, they do some nice things. They really commit to stopping the run. Uh, I think it's a game where Iowa... I think it's a game where somebody like Reganey with his route running can get open. Um, and if this line can provide any time, I think if Petrus has time where Reganey can use his route running ability and, and it's not a case of, I've just got to win up off the line of scrimmage. I think the pass game can have one of its better games of the season because Minnesota is going to creep guys up. You know, they're going to play a lot of, a lot of, I mean, Petrus said it in his weekly press. They're going to play a lot of cover four, um, but they're also going to bring guys up and they're going to really try to stop the run. The safeties will get and linebackers will get downhill really early. So it gives somebody like Caleb Johnson a chance. If he can break one tackle, there's going to be a lot of open field ahead of him. 
if they can provide a little bit of uh, pass blocking. That's a big if for probably the worst pass blocking group in the country. Um, I think Iowa and Nebraska are probably battling for that right now as the two worst offensive lines in terms of pass protection, um, which is so sad. But it's it's just the truth with this group. And while they've made some improvements, it's just it is what it is. And as you said earlier, it's not something that's going to magically change. You just try to find ways to mitigate that issue as much as possible. Um, it's going to be which team can pick up some third downs. Uh, that one thing Minnesota does well is they're going to run on first and second down and going to try to make it third and three, third and two, um, fourth and one, they're going to go for it. They're going to give the ball to Ibrahim. And, and that's something I think that they're going to try to shorten the game. And Iowa's got to find ways offensively to be creative and, and take advantage of certain looks that Minnesota's going to give them from time to time. Yeah. And, and you know, Lions, betting lines don't tell the whole story, right? But when you see an over-under of 32 and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that says it all. I mean, the lowest all-time over-under is 31 and a half held by Iowa Northwestern earlier this season. Um, This current (laughs) over-under is sitting at 32 and a half. Um, <laughs> which really just kind of tells you all you really need to know about how the, the style of this game, you're going to have tight ends involved in the passing game. You're going to have a lot of inefficient runs, a lot of inefficient passing plays and a lot of stops on defense and a lot of punts. Um, man, um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. We kind of know how this game is going to go, but you know, the one, I think the one, aberration that we could see is like a Sam Laporte 100 yard game um there's just something about um teams uh, or like the last um, couple weeks with play calling with Brian where the tight ends are becoming a lot more involved Sam Lachey and Sam Laporta as far as kind of verticality is concerned you know we we you know we mentioned a few things in this previous segment about kind of what the offense is doing different we mentioned the you know the fake bubble screen and these bunch patterns and and creating separation you know who's being targeted on the end of all of those plays? <laughs> it's Sam Laporta. It's not Arlen Bruce. You know, it's not Brody Brecht. It's it's not Nico Regani, really. It's either Lachey or Sam Laporta. And um, I think this is a game where, you know, I, I look at Minnesota, I don't see a great defense. Um, I see a, a good defense relatively to the Big Ten. Um, and definitely a good enough defense that can stop Iowa, what they're trying to do on offense, along with pretty much every team in the Big Ten. Um, but I, I think this is, a, I, you know, it's one of those things where if everything comes together the way it has the past three weeks um, and we just piece those little moments on offense together. Um, I, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I. What else can you say? I mean, I, I'm done trying to anticipate Iowa overs <laughs> and um, Iowa team total overs at this point of the season. I've been beating down on those. Um, but, yeah, it is one of those things where we kind of know how this game is going to play out, and, and it, we're just kind of waiting for it to happen. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the, the stuff with Laporta, though. I, I need to go back and look. I think he's around 80 targets already. <laughs> um, and it makes sense. Like, he's by far the their 
best in those roles and and they're being creative and trying to get him the ball in different ways and last week they had two plays you mentioned the one and they, they had another interior screen type play reminded me a little bit of what the Chiefs try to do with Travis Kelsey yeah you know they get him in the middle of the field on some things uh, with a blocker or two and it's easier in college because they'll let you get linemen five I think one guy was about eight yards downfield on one of them uh, they'll allow a little bit of that which is helpful uh, but they're they're finding ways to to put the tight ends in different spots and use them to stretch the field and bring guys like Regani, guys like Arlen Bruce underneath and with the addition of of how De- Deontay Vines has given him a perimeter receiver that they, you know, they took a deep shot to him trying to give him a jump ball. Uh, he's a little bit better on those play action, deep comeback routes. You know, he can shield with his body a little better than some of the other guys. So there's a chance, you know, we could see something from this because Minnesota, their defense is designed to try to win the big 10 West. And histor- the history has said to do that, you've got to be Iowa and you've got to beat Wisconsin over the last eight since Fleck has been there that's really been the two teams um and Northwestern I credit to them they've won a few Big Ten West uh and and how do you do that you stop those teams stop them on the ground and you make them pass and it's a defense that is designed to compete in the Big Ten West and this Iowa team this offense has troubles getting out of its own way um we've I mentioned the blocking issues and pass protection there's been times in run the run game where it doesn't look like the offensive line is on the same page that different players are blocking different plays different ideas uh, Caleb Johnson's 75 yard touchdown uh, against Purdue to start the second or early in that second half the offensive line did not have the call right um, there was movement intentionally were like pulling got there was some movement that was supposed to be there but it didn't fit what that play looked like. I, mm-hmm. There was at least one person, probably two, that were on different line calls than the rest of the offensive line. Um, but they they made it work just by a great play by Johnson. So it's not just the physical issues. Like There's communication issues. There's mental issues. There's false starts. There's uh, it's, it's been a mess. Um, if they can limit those and keep this game where they have convertible third downs, where they can make one or two splash plays, uh, then it's a game that that the offense can can the offense get seventeen points. Um, <laughs> Let's get real. It's so bad. Like, <laughs> but but I think it, I honestly I, I sit back and say I could see the offense getting seventeen, um, and I think that's enough against this Minnesota team. Can they get seventeen on their own doing though? Without like starting at the forty yard line or starting at the the uh, Pro- Minnesota no. twenty, <laughs> no, they can't. But I'm factoring in that this defense <laughs> and special teams will give them at least one opportunity to start inside of Minnesota territory. Um, they might go three plays, negative five yards, and kick a field goal afterwards. But uh, I trust this defense and special teams to give them at least one possession uh, with really good field position. Uh, and it sounds like the weather's going to be awful as well. That's what so I that, was about to ask. Are we getting snow? another thing to say? I, I don't, I think there might be a chance, but I think it's, I'd have to look last. I saw it's like a high of 18 degrees or something too. It's going to be cold. That's, it's going to be gross. That sounds like an Iowa weather. winter. <laughs> that sounds like an Iowa winter. I mean, I mean, honestly, I, I and all, all bias aside, I, I think I was going to win this game regardless of the weather, but um, I think if it's miserable as possible, 
that's going to favor the team with the elite defense that can actually force turnovers and um, it can force a team into passing the ball and having to, to be successful and win the game because of passing. Listen, say what you want about Spencer, but we haven't really been talking about a lot of turnovers, you know, on, on Iowa's offense. Um, when you think of bad offenses, yeah, not moving the ball effectively and efficiently is certainly an issue. That said, outside of maybe like Michigan, Ohio State, there hasn't been really a lot of games this season where we're, we're talking about turnovers. And um, as bad as that as the offense can be, when you have an elite defense who can force turnovers and you have a, a special teams unit that can flip the field on, on both sides, receiving and, and punting down there um, and, and making long kicks now with Nick Stevens, that's a surefire kicker right there. Um, that's this formula that I was busting out. We have to under, acknowledge this. This is like a generational viewing spectacle. I don't know if I'd call it a spectacle. It's like a monstrosity. Like it's like Frankenstein on offense. Just like this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen, but I can't take my eyes off it. Um, and, and, and truly, it's, it's uh, someone as someone with uh, small kids. It's the picture they draw that you're like, oh, it's so lovely. It looks great. Um, I, it, it doesn't look great. But you love it, and you know it's it gets the job done a lot of times. Um, and as of recently, it's been enough. So that's kind of the way I'm viewing it in terms of that. Before we get to the other, I, I want to go back to our weather talk. I do have one prediction and one guarantee I make. I don't care what the weather is. Jack Campbell will not have sleeves on. That's a guarantee. Hundred <laughs> percent. And nobody with the last name Campbell should ever wear sleeves. Um, that would just be so off brand and off putting that. There would be a, there would be a dock on on the respect points. I think um, you can't be a Campbell and you can't be um, a Hayward. Like you can't just have one of those names and and, and be a total like oh I'm freezing out here. <laughs> You've got to be got to be a beast, and that's why I think Iowa flips this game. Um, let's get let's give a let's give our predictions. Um, and we'll throw out the the DraftKings betting lines here. Um, it looks like Iowa at the moment we're recording this and this is a Tuesday night, um, plus three, um, money line for Iowa is plus 125 and the over is 32 and a half. Let me take a look and see if we have a team total over. I'm sure we do. Let's see. Yep. <laughs> so the team total over for Iowa is 14 and a half. So that fits right into your little 17, um, area of that. What, what are we thinking? Final score, um, any like go-to bet where you're thinking that's that looks pretty nice in this game. Yeah, I I like Iowa pl- over fourteen and a half. Um, <laughs> people people that don't watch Iowa have to just see that number and think, what in the world? Uh, how is a team in college expected to get fourteen in college football? Ex- Expected to get 14 and a half points is the over under. Um, and they have a winning record. Uh, it's just, it's such an anomaly. Uh, but, but I do think they're going to be able to, to put up a couple scores. I, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think the cold weather is going to affect um, the kicking games, but I think turnovers, I think maybe a punt return or two. My, uh, I, I think we might see some trick or something. Um, 
total off the wall, no reason for predicting this in terms of anything I've seen, but just like, I think they try to get Arlen Bruce something. He's coming back. Uh, his dad played at Minnesota, I believe. Uh, you know, this would be one of those things where, where in, in house, it's like, Hey, we're going to get something for him. Like he has that connection to Minnesota. Um, I think he gets a touchdown. I, I think Iowa gets to 17. That's the number that whether the defense, special, uh, special teams, something helps them get there. Uh, I don't care, but I think the offense gets to 17. I think one of these teams scores 12. <laughs> I don't a safety or, or miss extra. You know, <laughs> There's a number of different ways. It, and then you try to do it again. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I think this. Oh, it's so ugly. It's 17 to 12 this game one way or another. Um, who gets the 17 though, is the question, you know, it'd be funny if, uh, I guess this wouldn't be funny because obviously we're Iowa fans, but, um, the Minnesota team total point over is 17 and a half. So if the score ended up at 17, 12 Minnesota winning and, and both of the, the, uh, the overs for team total missed, (laughs) that'd be just (laughs) kind of funny. Um, especially if it's coming on like something ridiculous, which you know, it will in this kind of game. Um, you know, there's been a lot of buildups for just ugly matchups with Iowa this year. We had Northwestern Iowa, which everybody was just like, oh, oh, God. And it actually ended up being, you know, Iowa looked competent in that game. And then you had Iowa Rutgers, which was supposed to be the punt fest of all punt fests. And that kind of disappointed. You know, we're due for one of these ugly Iowa games where the whole world's watching at this point because Iowa is just such an interestingly bad slash good I don't even know what you call them but the whole world's watching Iowa and and knows who Spencer Peters is at this point in the season and it's not really a good thing um (laughs) the reason why anybody outside the Big Ten knows about Iowa but I think this is the game where it, it happens where this is just a mixture of snow great defenses um great a great punter on Iowa and um yeah, I don't know. I, I'm just. I think this is going to be an interesting game we look back on. It, with Iowa, I mean, there, there's like, there's absolutes. We're going to see good defensive play. We're going to see some special teams great play. Um, the offense, we're going to see some disaster play. We might see something productive, but I I do feel like, you know, with this team, that they will be able to to get something going. And the way they can flip the field with their punt game and kick returning with Caleb Johnson and punt returning, whether it's Cooper DeGene or Arlen Bruce, I think they'll probably put DeGene back there um, this game. I, I think the ability to those hidden yards, the extra five from a punt, the extra 10 from a return, um, those things in a game like this will add up. And if Iowa can force Minnesota to force Ibrahim to have a, a 28 carries for 105 yards and one touchdown, like that's a winning formula because I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to pass it with much consistently consistency against this defense to be able to move the chains effectively that way and to be able to break too many big plays. So I think Iowa is able to capitalize. I think Laporta... Um, continues to be the main target and we see another step forward which doesn't really take much it's like they they stand up and they take that one like baby toddler first step forward and kind of fall Uh, but it's forward 
And I think we get some of that from this offense. And your 17-12 is so good. I, I don't know how I can beat that prediction. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, but like 17-10 is, is where I see this game, as you said, one way or the other. But I do think Iowa is victorious um, in this game. I'm going through these these game props on, on DraftKings, and I'm, I'm cracking up because the first – the first quarter team total over for Iowa, two and a half. Um, the first half team total over, six and a half. I mean, <laughs> I'm just like, well, let's make our own. Six and a half? I know. <laughs> I can't take it. Anyway. Um, oh, my Lord. <laughs> um, it's so funny, too. We should make our own prop right now. Longest Iowa offensive drive over... 35 and a half. Uh, is this a scoring drive or just any drive? Any drive. Like longest. We could go drive. from the 25 I think, to the. I think any drive. I think they can get any. Because I think maybe they can have one. Like all of a sudden Laporta gets a, a 20 yarder. Lachey gets a 20 yarder down the seam. I think they can get that. Okay. Um, okay. So so I'll go over that. If it's a scoring drive though. Now then, then that gets really interesting. <laughs> uh, if you don't include like fumble return yardage or interception return yardage or punt return yardage, uh, why not? I'm going to be optimistic. I'll go over here. Something I just I looked up because we were talking about flipping the field. Um, Minnesota's punter on the season is has a long of 53 yards, um, and over the last three games his average on last three games he's punted 15 times and his average is sub 40 he hasn't been over 40 yards a punt average um for the last three games so you know when you look at again those hidden yardage i think that's so important for iowa in this game now that said iowa needs to field i don't put two guys back there i don't care if they put two guys like Put a short guy back there. They need to field the 38 yarders um, and not let those turn into 50 yarders. Because again, those hidden yards for this, that's a first down for this offense. Um, if you can catch the ball and keep it from rolling another 12 yards. So I think that's going to be really important. If I'm Iowa in a game like this, I look at doing that and having two guys back there to field punts, a short and a long. I, I, I say that's fair, you know, and that's something I noticed as well, just kind of like the bouncing balls on punts and, these extra yards just kind of rolling off because, you know, either Arlen Bruce or somebody back there wasn't confident enough to field it, you know, and, and that's something that I, I do think you're right about the hidden yards, especially when the offense can't move the ball more than eight yards in a drive some of these times. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a good way, a good place to call it there. Um, I, we're excited. I, this is going to be, I think um, I'm hoping for obviously Iowa to go crazy and score like 40 points, but you got to be realistic and um, you know, this offensive line, like we talked about is not going to just all of a sudden be great. Um, They're not going to be great all year. We have to come, we've already come to grips with that, Um, but can they be competent enough to, you know, win some games on the stretch here? Um, I think they've shown that they can be competent enough, even despite some of these lapses, which really just kill drives. Um, this Iowa defense is fantastic. Let's enjoy it the rest of these last two games of the regular season and see what lies ahead. You know, win this week, and who knows? People are talking about Indy. I don't want to talk about it. Um, 
<laughs> I'm shielding my eyes. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, want to thank you guys for always taking a, um, taking a little hour or so um, to listen to us each week or I guess every three weeks at this point if we keep this this <laughs> kind of span. But anytime we post an episode, you guys are all over it and we really appreciate that. Um, it's kind of cool to always you know see those viewership numbers staying steady no matter how frequently we upload. Um, that said, uh, we will see you all in a future podcast. Take it easy.